Have you given a moment's thought to what you're going to leave behind? As we prepare for Vacation Bible School, as we come off the heels of Church Camp 2018, I just want you to know we've been thinking long and hard about what our legacy is and what it's going to be. When we think of Miss Diane Gross and we think about the legacy that she left, not just to her husband and her children and her grandchildren, but to us. She and those like her built the foundation of this church. She leaves a legacy. A legacy of faith. Have you thought about your legacy? If your days on earth were done today, what are you leaving behind? I mean, once we become a Christian... What are we supposed to do then? Should we be any different? Should there be any difference in how we live because we're children of God now? Should there be a different focus now than what there was before we came to Christ? If you were with us last week, you may remember that we gave some biblical evidence some biblical evidence that Jesus is coming back. That He shall return. And when He does it, He's going to do it personally. He's going to do it unexpectedly. He's going to do it quickly and praise God. He's going to do it triumphantly. He's coming back. Are you ready for Him to come back? How about your children and your grandchildren? Are they ready for Him to come back? How about your friends? Your co-workers? Your schoolmates? Are they ready for Jesus to come back? You may say, Bill, I'm ready, man. I'm ready. I placed my faith in Christ a long time ago. I'm ready. But what about your friend? What about your cousin? What about your parents? What about your neighbor? Because Jesus is coming back, we need to be examining what kind of legacy we're leaving. We need to examine what kind of legacy that we should be building as we are looking forward to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in 1 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul, he teaches us that our belief and our faith in Christ, listen to this, that our belief and our faith in Christ should have a profound effect in the priorities that we have in life. So as you examine your priorities this morning, are they providing any evidence of a legacy of faith. I mean, if we really believe Jesus is coming back, if we really believe that Jesus is the Lord of our lives, then that fact should dramatically impact everything about us. 
Not just some things, but everything. Everything should be impacted because of your faith in Christ. Today's passage in the Bible, we're going to see that once you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your mission ain't over. It's just starting. It's just the beginning. You're just getting going good when you come to faith in Christ. So how has Jesus affected your life? How has Jesus affected your life? The only way that people are going to be led to the Lord, the only way you're going to build an effective legacy is for people who have already come to Jesus to take a bold stand and be absolutely Thoroughly and entirely sold out to Jesus. That is how you're going to build a legacy. You see, there's no such thing as a halfway Christian. There's no such thing as a Christian on Sunday who ain't one on Monday. sold out if you plan on leaving a legacy of faith. Then and only then will people begin to see evidence evidence in your life that you are saved. That you do belong to God. That you are a child of the most high king. Only then will they see the evidence. Today I want to point out four how many? Four. Four evidences of an effective legacy. And I want to show you that they are found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. That's page 1048 in the Bibles in front of you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy... To the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from our God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience in hope. In our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God the Father. Knowing, beloved brethren, that your election by God for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. So the first evidence of four to establish a lasting legacy is, according to verse 3, your work of faith. You see, our faith is the reason we do what we do. Our faith is the reason we serve God. Because we believe we serve. 
And God wants the world to see your faith. He wants them to see it, not just hear about it. He wants them to see it in you. But all too often, all the world sees is our lack of faith. Mark Twain once said, Few things are harder to put up with than the annoyance of a good example. Boy, ain't that the truth. Man, when I see a good example of what I ain't, boy, that irritates me. Amen? Boy, that gets under my skin because I realize that I still got a long way to go. When you're building a strong legacy, our faith should be marked by hard work. It takes work. You can't have true faith if it's not demonstrated by works. I'm sorry. Listen to what the half-brother of the Lord Jesus said in James chapter 2. He said in verse 14, What does it profit? What good is it, my brothers? If someone says, say says. If someone says he has faith, but he doesn't have works, can that kind of faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed, be filled, but you don't give them the things they need, what good is it? What does it profit you? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, it's dead as a doornail, amen? It's dead. It's dead. So just think for a second. If none of us here did anything to establish a working faith, all we did is say we have faith. But you didn't do nothing. We didn't teach kids. We didn't go minister to our community. We don't take them no food. We don't care about our local missions that are going on to help people. Right? We ain't worried about discipleship. We ain't worried about worship. Right? We're not going to go in most of somebody's yard. What if we don't do any of those things? We don't have a working faith. What would happen to the church? You think it would grow? If we said we had faith but we don't do nothing about it? Do you think it might die? Everybody nod your head like this. What would happen to the lost people? Guess what? They'd stay lost people. Because ain't nobody going to get outside of their comfort zone and go share the gospel with them. They're going to stay lost. Every aspect of the Christian life stems from how we respond to our faith. How we respond to our faith. You see, a faithful person shows his faith by what he or she does. They demonstrate what's here by what they do and how they do it and how they respond to what Jesus has done in their life. 
if activity for Jesus is confined to Sunday, what about Monday? They just out of luck, ain't they? Tuesday, forget about it. And the rest of the days of the week, you have to wait till Sunday. I'll clock back in on Sunday. Come see me then. You see, there's no such thing as a sort of Christian. No such thing. It doesn't exist in the Bible. If your faith is not working, then listen carefully. It's non-existent or at best it's on life support. She's getting ready to kick. Amen? Your faith is getting ready to kick if your faith ain't working. No such thing as a sort of Christian. Have you ever heard people say, say they have faith, they just ain't doing nothing about it right now? They say they have faith, but, you know, I'm just not going to church right now. They say they have faith, but man, I'm not worshiping God right now, you know. You know, things work, you know. I mean, stuff comes up, you know, I'm out of town. You know, I'm just not worshiping God. They, they say they have faith, but I'm not serving God right now, you know. They're not doing much of anything about their faith. What they've done is they've made up their own religion. They've made up their own religion that does not involve following Jesus, serving Jesus, or loving Jesus. If Hal was one of those kind of people, we would call it Brother Halism. Thankfully, he's not. Praise the Lord. You get my drift. Their religion tells them, hey, live like you want to, man. Live like you want to, then later you can just claim you're saved. Claim you're saved after you live your whole life for yourself. Wow. Friends, that ain't faith. That is not faith. Faith in Christ changes us. It changes us. It makes a difference. We're not the same no more. The Bible says we're a new creation. Things have changed. We view things different. We talk about things different. We act different. Our attitude is different. How we respond to needs is different. Everything about us is different. The book of Hebrews says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is God and you ain't. He is God and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's God. We ain't. So he's God. I got to do what he told me to do. I got to serve him. I want to serve him. I want to obey him. I want to follow him. I want to love him. That's what happens when you have true faith in Christ. See, faith that pleases God is an active faith. Did you hear that, church? Faith that pleases God is an active faith. This little church at Thessalonica, a great church. You know what? We can be called the church of Thessalonica. 
I envision it as about the same size. I believe that they had faith kind of like we do. And they worked at that faith. But that little church had a huge effect on the whole world. They're in the Bible. Wouldn't it be great if we had first and second Bethel? First, second, third Bethel. Hallelujah. Man. And the reason that they changed the world like they did is because their faith was active. It was for real, man. It was the real deal. It was active. I mean, is there anything, is there any such thing as inactive faith? Is there any such thing as inactive faith, faith that's not active? No, there's not. See, there's only two kinds. There's only two kinds of faith. It's either an active faith, or she dead. It's a dead faith. It's one or the other. An active faith or a dead faith. It's either a faith that works, or in all reality, it's a faith that don't exist. Just saying. And can I tell you that a faithless servant, a faithless servant, is just as good as a dead servant? Can I tell you that a faithless church is just as good as a dead church? So, we all about examining ourselves, aren't we? Amen? Not just as individuals, but as a church. Do our works demonstrate our faith as a church? Are we serving, doing, loving, and worshiping because of our faith in Christ? Do our works show that God is God and we ain't? I pray we can answer that with a resounding yes. Because works of faith are evidence. They're evidence that everybody sees. So every time that you act the fool, you ever done that before? Just me? Really? Anytime, there you go. There's two of there's three of us. I knew Bubba would raise his hand. We like brothers that way, ain't we, brother? Anytime you act a fool, anytime you got a snotty attitude, anytime you got a foul mouth, anytime you're doing things not from faith, the Bible even says in Proverbs that anytime you even have a foolish thought, you're in sin. And you got trouble. We have to constantly be about the works of God. Constantly be about working out our faith. So how much faith do people see in this body of believers? Just think, if half a dozen of us or so do, but the rest of us don't, we got trouble, don't we? Even if every one of us has a faith that works, but one of us don't. Man, that one can tear the whole body down. Are you that person? We pray not. So to build an effective legacy, there must be works of faith. But verse 3 also says, there must be a labor of love. When we're driven to work because of our faith, 
Our labor will be a labor of love. Without love, you laboring in vain. Without love, you just spinning your wheels. If you're doing what you do for any other reason, but because you love God and love His people, you're just spinning your wheels. You're like Cousin Vinny when you're stuck in the Alabama mud. Right? One tire spinning, the other one ain't doing nothing. Right? You know, there are so many motivations for people to work. Some people work because they're scared not to work. Some people work because they want some money. Some people work because they want to be successful. But Alita Husson, age 78, had been smoking for 50 years. And for 50 years, she'd been trying to give it up. And for 50 years, she'd been unsuccessful until recently. After 50 years, she's given up every form of tobacco. That means she didn't dip, she didn't chew, she didn't smoke cigars, and she didn't smoke pot. I say, good googly moogly, man, what's her secret? We need to bottle that, right? So what's her secret? Her secret was Leo Jansen. Leo Jansen was 79 years old and Leo had asked Alita to marry him last year. But he said, I ain't marrying you until you give up smoking. And Alita said, willpower never did it. Willpower was never enough to make me give up smoking. Love did it. Love did it. You see, friends, love moves people. Love moves people to action. Love motivates people. Love works. Love labors hard. Here yesterday after coming off of a week of church camp, I saw some of those same adults back in this building decorating for next week for Vacation Bible School. Laboring hard, y'all. When we first got here, that AC wasn't kicking like it is now. She was a little bit warm, amen? But they labored hard. I've never seen adults donating their time, taking weeks off of work to lead young people at church camp. It's a labor of love. If you don't love them kids, you ain't doing it. If you don't love Jesus, you ain't doing it. When you're motivated by love, man, you'll do just about anything for somebody else. You'll put up with a bunch, amen. You'll give up a bunch when you love Jesus 
and those he loves. Ask those people who come up here on Wednesday afternoon after an all day at work. Oh, they're so excited to be here. They're so excited to be around these rambunctious children and these crazy teenagers. Oh, they're crazy. Man, they're off, they off the kilt. But they come here because they love them. And they love their Lord Jesus. We love the Lord and we love those He loves. Listen to this. Whether they lost or saved. So how much do we love those people who are not yet, say yet, who are not yet saved? There's a whole bunch of them out there. There's a whole bunch right next door to you. They're just not yet saved. God's waiting on you. Waiting on you to share a word of faith with them. To labor hard in love for them. See, reaching out to the lost is a labor of love. You really got to love Jesus if you're going to get outside your comfort zone and go talking Jesus to other people that don't really want to hear it. It's a labor of love. And this labor of love that's mentioned here in the Bible, it's a strenuous kind of love. I know some people in this building right now the kind of work they do for a living, it is a strenuous labor. How'd you like to pour, form, and finish concrete for a living? That's strenuous. Am I right, brother? Is it strenuous labor? Well, maybe not so much for Kyle. Kyle, he does a lot of this here. I'm just kidding. That boy works hard. And it's hot outside today. Amen? I know some of the work y'all do. Working in plants and factories and mowing grass and doing that hard work. It's strenuous labor. But do you know that true love requires hard work? Ain't that right, Miss Janet? True love requires hard work. <laughs> Amen. First John 3, 14, the Bible says, we know that we have passed from death to life. That is, we see the evidence because we love the brethren. He who doesn't love his brother abides in death. So the degree of our faithful love for God and for His people, whether they're lost or saved, is evidence. It's evidence of an effective legacy. What's your legacy look like? Is it a work of faith? Is it a labor of love? Thirdly, the Bible also said there in verse 3 that it's steadfast in hope. It's patient in hope. See, when the dust clears... There's got to be this overriding reason why you do what you do. When the dust clears, there's this overriding reason why you serve. These that teach have been teaching Sunday school for 50 some odd years plus, there's an overriding reason because they, why they do what they do. It's hope. Hope, the anchor of the soul. Life without hope ain't life. And when times are difficult, and when people don't show up, and when people don't do what they're supposed to do, when people reject our message, and they reject what you're pouring into their life, the only thing you can hold on to is hope. 
You just hope that God's going to do a work in their life through what little effort you're providing. Our hope in Jesus is what allows us to endure the tough times in life. We learned that at church camp, didn't we, guys? It's only our hope in Christ that's going to get us through those challenges. It's that hope that will motivate us to reach out to the lost because they are doomed and hell-bound unless we take a step and share their faith, share our faith. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul talked about all the hardships that he suffered. Man, that boy suffered. You think you suffered? Man, Paul suffered. He suffered greatly, but it was his hope that produced steadfastness. He was able to stay the course. See, steadfastness is a word that means you're willing to stay under pressure. You're willing to endure. You're willing to persevere. It means you don't quit. You don't quit when times get tough. You keep the course. You stay the course. You keep doing what you know God's told you to do. You're steadfast in hope. Claire Booth wrote, There are no hopeless situations. Only people who have lost their hope. No situation is outside the power of God. But it's we who are not steadfast in hope that sometimes fail. So our ability to hang tough in times of trouble, it's a remarkable evidence for everybody to see. Say, man, she's been teaching for 50 years. She's been leading kids for 13 years. Man, her faith is, her hope is steadfast. A working faith, a laboring love, a steadfast, enduring hope. They're all evidences of an effective legacy. What kind of legacy are you leaving? Finally today, one final evidence, if you'll permit me. One final evidence that we should leave for the world. And that is this. Your absolute conviction. There in verse 5, Paul wrote that he had much assurance. Much assurance. So, if we're going to change, and I pray that we all do. If we're going to change... What is it that changes us? You say, well, Jesus changes us. Well, I know that. But you know what? Even though Jesus changes us, if you don't have conviction, you ain't changing. Did y'all hear that? If you don't have the conviction that God's Word is true, you ain't changing. Because you don't really believe. If the conviction is missing, you won't allow Jesus to change. Think about it. If you read your Bible and you are absolutely convinced it's true, if you read your Bible and you're convinced that these, this information leads you to heaven, if you read your Bible and you are absolutely convinced that a relationship with Jesus is the single most important thing in your life, you will change. Conviction is important. It's very important. But many don't have a full conviction that Jesus is the Son of God. Many are not fully convinced that there is really a heaven. 
Many are not absolutely convinced that without saving faith in Christ, they are going to be spending their eternity in hell. They don't believe it. They're not convinced of it. And so don't you know what happens? They don't change. But you show me one person, one person that is sold out to Jesus, and I'll show you a person that's fully convinced that Jesus is who he says he is and that this word of God is true. So if you're going to be sold out, if you're going to have an effective legacy, man, you've got to be convinced this is true. You've got to be convinced of that. Paul says this good news came to them in much assurance. That's absolute conviction. Beyond a doubt. No doubt about it. This is true. What a powerful legacy it would be if people said about you, Man, she was so absolutely convinced that God's word was true. Man, she was radically changed. What if it was said about you? Man, he was so fully convinced that, he, that Jesus was God's son, he turned his whole life over to him. What if people said about you? She was so fully convinced that this word is true. That she read it, she studied it, she sought direction from it, and she obeyed it. My, my, my. What a legacy that would be. What a legacy that would be. So an effective Christian legacy is created by your work of faith. How does your faith affect your life? You have to ask yourself those hard questions. You need to be able to say, Am I allowing Jesus to make a difference? Am I allowing the Lord to make a difference in every single area of my life? A biblical faith is a working faith, not a couch potato faith. Amen? It works. An effective Christian legacy is also motivated by love. We work for and we obey Jesus, because we love him, and we love those people he loves. And that makes a difference in our life. An effective Christian legacy also has a hope in Jesus that takes us through all those bumps in life. There's a lot of bumps in life that were shared at church camp, weren't there? I hate to tell you guys this. More bumps coming. More bumps coming. More valleys are probably going to be in your life. Do you have a hope in Jesus that's going to take you through all those bumps? Through the valleys? I mean, where, where is it that you place your hope? Man, if it's not in Jesus, you're really spinning your wheels. Because he's the only one that's going to get you through some of the stuff I heard this week. Heard more than one young person say, man, it was his faith in God that got him through that. It was only by the grace of God and his hope in Jesus that he survived that. Many adults can say the same thing, can't they? Friends, we will never create a legacy that honors God 
unless we are absolutely convicted. Convicted, friend, to have an active faith motivated by love and hope. Hope in Jesus. So if you're listening, say amen. Amen. Every single one of us here today, every single person in this room influences somebody. We all influence the people we encounter. You may not be able to put your finger on who it is now, but let me assure you, people, they are watching. They're watching you. You affect them. You influence them. You impact those people who are in your little sphere of influence. You make a difference. You make a difference. Brother Charles, maybe you can't come to church as much as you'd like. But you stay the course and you love on your wife. People will watch you, won't they, brother? People's lives were changed by what they witnessed in my brother. Your pastor's life was changed because of what they witnessed in that brother. So our greatest legacy to those who are in our areas of impact will be those who live eternally. See, it's not your job necessarily to cause change on this earth, but it is your job, your calling, the high calling of God on your life to make sure people know you are because of Jesus. What you are is because of Jesus. So those people that are going to be affected eternally are the ones we ought to really be focused on. To accomplish that, you're going to have to be absolutely committed that faith works, that love labors, and that hope in Christ endures through all the difficulties of life. Today, you might be going through hell and high water, and you might not have any hope left. I want you to know that there's hope in Christ. And as we shared at church camp, all he wants you to do is just come. You come to him, you let him handle the details. So if you're looking for a relationship that will give you this faith that works, this love that labors, and this hope that endures, come on, I'll share the gospel with you. I'll share with you how you can have that through a relationship with God in Christ. But you know what? There are many here that have probably heard like I heard. You know what? I'm just not where I need to be. Let's see, my faith ain't working, my love ain't laboring, and my hope ain't enduring. I got trouble. And I'm certainly not leaving any kind of good legacy. If that's something you're ready to turn around 180 degrees, you come here too. You got a prayer concern that's too heavy for you to carry, let me just tell you that's a burden you were not meant to carry. You come, there are people all around here that will pray with you. I'll be glad to pray with you. 
So whatever's going on in your life, I want to invite you to give it to the one who can do something about it. Amen? Because I can't. But I know one who can. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, our Lord above, I thank you that you provided us the means by which we can have a relationship with you, and that's only through your son, Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you would do a supernatural work in every single one of us today, that we would realize that faith works and love labors and hope.